Good morning, and welcome to the Big Ball of Twine podcast. This is Randall, episode 20. I don't know why in this culture we make a big deal out of big round numbers, but for some reason 20 sounds like a big deal. It's a lot less than 100, so whatever, but welcome to episode 20. We're going to talk about what is thinking. We're going to explore that a little bit today. It's a huge topic, so we'll probably come back to it over and over, but why don't we strap in and see where this takes us. Good morning. Got a lot to talk about this morning. It's a little later in the morning than usual. Earth has rotated around where the sun is almost peeking over the edge of the horizon because it's a holiday where I am. And I have a day off of my day job. So I chose to lay in bed and sleep in a little bit this morning. Partly because I had trouble getting to sleep last night. It took a long time. And so I slept in a little bit. And then I laid in bed thinking about this podcast because that's what I do. I wanted to get a jump start on talking about stories and stories just me saying the word stories is creating a story stories they just kind of push in on each other push out on each other they create who we are they are the backbone of our ego of our personalities of our identities and what does that mean I gotta tell you a story so I can explain stories, right? Already, you can see, if you'll look close enough, that we wrap ourselves in stories to explain the stories that explain other stories. I find this topic frustrating and enlightening and freeing, and sometimes it pisses me off. I get angry about stories because I see how stories limit us. And yet, without our stories, we can't find our way because stories are what takes us to the places of healing and growth and understanding, compassion. We have to tell a story to have compassion. We have to help have a, a story to rely on to enjoy certain things because a story is happy or or the story is peaceful or the story is comfortable. So we feel happy in that story. But other stories are infuriating and frustrating and take over our lives and drive them in ways we don't want to be driven, but we do it anyway. I just passed a house that has quite literally a bazillion flowers in their yard. And this time of year, all the flowers are coming up. And I have a story that I have built about why they put all the flowers in their yard. And I've never stopped to knock on their door and ask them, why'd you plant all those flowers? I just go with my own story. And it's a good story, it's pleasant. It's not causing me any pain or suffering, except the little part that wants to know why they planted all those flowers. Why does this house have these big giant jasmine plants that are filling my nose with jasmine smell right now in this early morning air and it smells so nice. Why did they pick jasmine and the house back there a half a block back did not pick jasmine. They have mostly bulb plants, gladiolas and lilies and I don't really know all of them but they sure are pleasing to my eye so let's talk about stories and why that's important to the human experience I don't know in a biological sense whether any other animals tell themselves stories to then 
understand their world around them. I don't know if a chimpanzee does that. I don't know if an armadillo does that. I don't think an ant does that, but certainly I could be wrong. And the idea of trying to understand if an animal tells a story is my way of justifying or learning or understanding the world. That's a story. Everything is a story. We can call it a notion, an idea, a distraction. Um, there's a lot of names for stories, but I'm just going to stay with stories because I think it's important that they just stick with one word and we learn to understand it through one word rather than trying to define 10 different words when they all really kind of mean the same thing. So let me give you an example of a story. I'm walking along right now and I am roughly an hour and 15 minutes later than I normally walk. And so I will see different people. And the person I just passed is someone who I normally pass at the very end of my walk. And my story is I'm late. He's on time and I'm late. I built that story in a split second. And the reality is, I'm here when I'm here and he's here when he's here. That's it. All the rest of it is a bunch of, <laughs> as I used to say as a kid, gobbledygook. Just a bunch of story. He's here when he's here and I'm here when I'm here and that's the end of it. Everything else is either a justification or a defense, putting meaning to something, trying to cram it into my understanding. And my understanding is I'm later than usual and therefore I'm late because that's what I've been taught my whole life. That's what that means. That's the meaning I put into that, the story I put into that. We do it all day long. We all do it. And I don't have a clue why we do this. My only real understanding of story is we all do it. And since we all do it, the brilliant people, the not so brilliant people, all of us, as soon as we're born, we start building stories. When we're born, the story is we need to suckle, we need breast milk, we need warmth, we don't want to die, we cling to our parents. And that's where it starts. We start to build a story of what it takes to be in our little group so we can continue to remain safe. Because like every other creature on the planet, like every other plant on the planet, our goal our job is to keep living. Some people would say our goal is to reproduce. I think before that goal is to just keep living. So we could reproduce, right? Let's just keep living. And in that process of living, maybe we'll get to reproduce and maybe we won't. Maybe we'll do great things, and maybe we'll do small things. But each of us has something we're here to do or learn. Or what would be the point, right? What exactly would be the point of being born and then starting to cling to our little group and live in that space so we could go out in the world and do what? I don't actually know. It's like, why do we... Why do we die? What happens when we die? It's a story we make up because we don't know. So we cram all this, all this information and all this attempt to understand. All these stories are simply there to try to understand something that is not understandable because we don't know. What a great mystery. Dying is a great mystery. It scares people. That's their story. Some people have wonder about it. That's their story. Some people don't even think about it. And that's their story. Some people fight to stay alive and they don't even know why. 
some people fight to never think about dying because they've had experiences in their life that scare the crap out of them. They've seen people die. They've experienced death in a way that's frightening to them. And so they spend time in what we call denial or they just can't touch it. All because they have a thought about it. They have some thinking about it that creates our big ball of twine, right? That's one of our ways we create a big ball of twine. We create our suffering by um, using our thinking in hurtful ways to ourselves. So I'm going to give you an example of thinking that has been a big part of my life. And I guess my thinking is I'm proud of myself for moving through a lot of this. Um, so that's a thinking that I'm proud of myself. But when I was born, I was born to two people who were very young and very inexperienced in the world and were quick to tell me I was a mistake and that I was growing up in a way that would make their life easier if I was not around. So what I mean by that is I was told that when you're 18, we don't want you around anymore. And it seems a little bit ironic and funny to me, but funny ironic that they worked so hard at telling me that. They worked so hard at telling me that, that it became my identity. I knew that I only had so much time there and I would have to eventually go out in the world and be in the world and survive. And that terrified me. That terrified me. It made me filled with the thinkings of anxiety and fear and uncertainty. And it made me feel alone in the world and frightened right to my very core in ways that drove my behaviors. So as a child, that drove my behavior to be introverted, um, afraid of people, afraid of what they might do and say to me. So I isolated and that was my safe place. If I isolated, I felt safer. Was that true? <laughs> Who knows? But that's what I developed in my childhood was, if I isolate, I will feel safer. I had the illusion of that. I believed that if I didn't go out into the world and take risks, I would be safer. That was my story. And I stuck to it for a long, long time. And the ironic thing about story is the power of story is that the more we tell ourselves that's a story, the more we believe it. The more it becomes rooted in fact when it's, it's not fact. That was not a fact that if I went out in the world, I would be safer. That was a story. Fact is, I don't know what would have happened if I had gone out into the world and done some of the things my friends did. Whether that was partying or playing in sports or being in the band or being in the theater group or um, volunteering. I mean, there's just so many other things I could have done, but all of them did not feel safe to me. And really, the interesting thing is I didn't feel safe in my home, but that to me, the thing I knew was better than the thing I didn't know. I think every leaf blower on the planet is out this morning. <laughs> it just it must be the time everybody strikes them up and gets them going because that's all I hear right now is leaf blowers. Um, so I'm going to turn away from all the leaf blowers and head in a different direction. My story is it's annoying and it's interrupting my 
thoughts because I'm having thoughts about leaf blowing, so I can't have thoughts about something else. Oh, thoughts are so interesting. I believed that if I stayed small, I would have less problems. But that is not how it turned out. Being small created its own set of problems. And I don't think we need to go much further there, but to notice that you probably did something similar. Not exactly like mine, of course, because my story is incredibly unique, just like everybody else's. And yet I want you to notice that if you sit for long enough and you really allow yourself to sink into this, you will find the story that you lived as a child. And I would bet that you're probably still living that story if in all my efforts to free myself from that story, I still have that part of me that believes if I'm small, if I shrink into a small world, into a ball, so to speak, then I will be safe. That I'll be safer if I don't tell you these things. But I want you to know these things so that you can see how that works for all of us. Um... There's freedom in telling my story, and I believe there's freedom in you hearing my story so that you can notice your story and how that works for you, how that story works for you, because your story works different than my story. Your story is very much you. It's all you, and my story is completely me, and there are a bazillion stories because if there's eight billion of us we have multiple stories that we build our lives around that we glom onto that we try to justify our lives with that we wrap ourselves in for safety and sometimes we wrap ourselves in these stories that give us absolutely no safety and yet, we still hold on to the story because it's the story we know, and it works for us in some way. That story is something we need. It's something we identify with. We hold it dear, even when it hurts us. And I would venture to guess there aren't many stories that don't hurt us in some way. I mean, there are some stories that they feel good and yet they cause some suffering here or there. All right. When we left off, I was talking about suffering like I do, talk about suffering. And I wanted to explore the way suffering, or the way thoughts and thinking separate us. And I'll start by how it separates us from each other. And I also want to touch on, I also want to touch on how it separates us from our individual self, how it keeps us from understanding ourselves in ways that help us grow in ways that help us discover what's underneath the stories. So I know that we've talked before about thinking about our thinking. <laughs> There's a paradox there, a kind of a confusing idea that if I think about my, th my thinking, maybe I can discover where that thinking comes from and then choose through healing or through experiencing those feelings and allowing them to become real, maybe there's some healing there. So the first example I want to use is uh, we make up judgments about people based on our experience in the world. And if a person looks a certain way or acts a certain way, we judge them as safe or not safe, friend or foe, good or bad, 
And that separates us from that person. Almost instantaneously we do that. And some of that is primal need to be safe. I don't want to ignore my instincts if someone's coming near me with uh, shouts and anger and a pistol. I don't want to ignore the instinct to run or fight or hide. I don't want to ignore that. But that's not what I'm talking about. Although that is another way of noticing our thinking. The way I want to look at it is how we do it on a daily basis that separates us from other people. And in fact, just separates me from me or you from you. Because your thinking, my thinking, puts a barrier up between me and another person. And then I don't allow the space to see that person as they are. I see them as I choose to see them. So an example might be um, I meet a person, let's say I'm out with some friends, and one of my friends has a friend that I don't know. And they introduce me to that friend, and that person starts to speak in ways that I judge one way or the other, good or bad. It doesn't matter if it's good or bad, but let's just say they speak in ways that I decide based on their words that I have a level of comfort or a level of discomfort with that person. And I might decide in the first three sentences that this person says that I like them or dislike them. And I just want to point out right at the beginning how incredibly unfair that feels to me. I have done it my whole life. And I wonder, looking back, how many times I have missed out on some truly amazing people and some real buttheads, which I guess I'm okay with, but missed out on the experiences of other people based on a millisecond or two minutes of time with a person and decided I don't want to be around that person and that feels sad to me because I believe all of us even the people that are truly out to get other people or power hungry or dangerous there are parts of them that are just like all the rest of us there's peacefulness in there somewhere. There's a person, a child inside that wants to be nurtured and loved and cared for, heard and understood, wants to be seen. I guess that's the best way to put it is that child, that person wants to be seen. I don't believe anybody who wields their power in a bad way isn't just simply wanting to be seen somewhere they are desperately needing to be seen but that's my thinking and that thinking helps me to soften to the world it helps me to see the world in a different way than I have been taught to see the world and that feels good to me when I can see the person as someone who's like me or like anybody else, no matter their behavior, I can also have more compassion and understanding for where they're living in their life. So we make these distinctions, we make these judgments, we have a thinking that tells us pretty instantly if we want to be around this other person or not. And I hope you can Admit that to yourself and notice where you do that and how that is a place for you to maybe find some growth and understanding. And I would offer that we all do it so there's no shame in it. It's not like we're all broken. We're all just humans having this experience as humans. And part of having this experience of humans is we judge everything, 
everything. Like I'm looking at the field that I walked by and the sun has come into view and I find it quite nice. But I have some very close friends that aren't even awake yet because they can't stand being up in the morning. And when they do get up, they gotta have their coffee first. And I'm not saying that's good or bad, it just is. I'm different than that. I get up, I pop out of bed, I brush my teeth, I go to the bathroom, I put on my walking gear, my pants or my shorts or whatever it is for that day, my hat, put my phone in my pocket, and I'm out the door in 10 minutes at the most. And I, that's not good or bad either, it just is. But some people would see my behavior and judge that as, well, crazy or stupid or, or just not even that much, but just not acceptable to them. And I might judge that someone who's still in bed right now is wasting the good time of the day. I don't really think that, but I could. I could easily see how I could judge that way. And that's how we work. That's my point, is that's how we work. We, we take in data, we assimilate it into the way we understand the world, we create a thought around it, and then we stick to it. And that's where it starts to hurt us. Because it limits us, it keeps us small in our thinking, not expansive. It narrows our focus. Now, I don't believe that's a good thing. I believe narrowing our focus creates division and pain and suffering. When I narrow my focus on a person, I take the chance of relationship out of it and there's no longer a place for us to come to any understanding or care or love because one of us has shut that down. And I want to tell you right now what makes me snicker or laugh about that is I can't even come to any kind of a number of how many people I've probably done that to in my life. I've done it to myself. I have limited myself based on my judgments, based on my limited minuscule tunnel of thinking that somehow that person doesn't deserve my time. It's so ridiculous. You don't deserve my time because I have decided you are this way or that way. Is that really how I did it? Yes. It's what I've done. It's what you've done. I guarantee it. I guarantee you do that on a daily basis. You see people on the freeway. You walk by people in a store see the homeless woman with the baby in the stroller and the sign that says, please help me. But what is it that you judge in that moment? Can you offer up some true honesty with yourself and look at what that means for you? How is it that you limit your world by making these judgments? These are thinking, right? A judgment is thinking. I think this I respond in this way, and if it's a way I'm kind of rooted in, it just reinforces all the other thinking. When we think the same thing about a person of a different color, or even our own color, um, we limit ourselves. We limit ourselves from the beauty of that person from their experience in the world, from understanding what the world looks like through their eyes. So here's a really good example. On the weekends, on Saturday mornings, I like to go to something called Cars and Coffee. I am an ex-motorhead. I guess I'm still a motorhead. I'm still a car guy. I find great deal of joy from the automobile. I love the machinery. I love the... the concept. I love the smell. I could stand at a gas pump all day long and smell gas fumes. <laughs> this is the way I am. 
to be in my place of happiness many Saturdays out of the year I go to cars and coffee and they're different they're kind of all over the area that I live in so I go to I don't know I've been to probably six or seven different ones in this area and they all have a different style a different taste a different um, what's the word I'm looking for not an audience well there are different audiences for sure but different participants a style of participants. So some of those car shows have hot rods for as a dominant source of their cars. Some of them are high-end European newer cars and all different kinds of stuff. So last weekend, I took a friend of mine, a very sweet and dear friend of mine, who has been working through an illness that... Hmm could have killed him. And right now the story of that brings me deep sadness because he's a really sweet man. And I thought for a few months I was going to lose him. And the story was I would suffer deeply from losing him. Um... So let's stay in the present and I'll tell you the story because there's there's learning in this story for me and I want to share it with you. So my friend um, has been wanting to join me for these for a while and we have been waiting for this person's strength to get built up and his ability to be outside in this COVID time where he wasn't going to be too at risk of getting sick again and um, making his current condition worse by getting COVID. So all of that played a part of not getting to this point. So we decided to go last weekend to a Cars and Coffee that I have never been to. So it was an adventure for both of us. It was my understanding that this Cars and Coffee was what I call a high-end European sports car, cars and coffee, which of course it turned out to be some of that, but, um, and that's part of the adventure when you go to these and you expect something and you find out what a treat. It was not what I expected at all. And yet there's something there for me to enjoy. And what I enjoyed most about this adventure with my friend was I have known this person for probably 10 years, maybe longer. I don't really know exactly when I met him, but it's been a while. And we have been very close. We sit in a men's group together. So I know very intimate and very personal things about this man, this person. It's always a joy to be around him, even when he's calling me out for my bullshit. And he's right, and I feel super fucking uncomfortable. I take that with the love that he delivers it with, and I take it very seriously. And I listen to him because he's very, very good at finding a way to tell me I'm full of crap in a loving way that I can hear and then maybe make some different choices, make some changes in my life. So there's all of that history going into us going to Cars and Coffee. All of the sickness and the healing and the fear of COVID and what's a Cars and Coffee and our relationship. So we're talking about stories and we went to this Cars and Coffee and I said to him, I definitely want to walk through here and see what's here. And if you want to stop, just stop and we'll check out what you want to check out. And we'll just kind of meander through and see what jumps out at us that we want to look at. And and immediately he stops at like the first car we walk by, which I hardly noticed because it's one of, I don't know, 
there might have been 30 Corvettes parked in a row. And this particular one, I don't really like that model. It's not appealing to my eye. It's just not. And he loved it. And he pointed out to me why he likes it. Started to tell me about the color, the shape, why it's appealing to him. And I stood there and I was, I was really kind of speechless. I noticed the world through his eyes. I noticed how he was seeing the world, how he envisioned the same thing I was seeing and how he saw it very differently than me. I mean, that color to me, I don't like it at all. Never been appealing to me. Every time I see it, I think I would never wear that color and I would never buy a car that color. And if someone had their house painted that color, I'd ask them to change it. I mean, I just don't like that color. And it wasn't so much the color that he liked, but the whole thing. Like that particular, that style brought up thoughts and feelings in him about that time in the world and what that meant to him. And I was listening to how he described this car and I was getting an insight into him that even after 10 years of knowing him, I had no clue about. It was, it was like learning about this part, part of him that I simply had not had a window into yet. And we walked around for maybe an hour or more and at, at times we stopped at cars that I liked and we talked about that and we stopped at cars he liked and I listened to him as closely as I possibly could without judgment or um, putting my shit in front of it. Just trying to, just trying to see the world through his eyes. And I gotta tell you, it was so interesting and so enjoyable to not have well I usually do this by myself so to have a person there with me was so nice I've done this with my dad and my dad and I have all kinds of crap between us but when we go to cars and coffee there's a symmetry a a an alignment that we get from that. It's a place of um, understanding, a place of, um, I guess, bonding, where we, have, where we have something in common that we can go and look at. And I gotta say, I've done this with my dad and I didn't feel quite the same way. I didn't feel the openness to discovering another person like I did last weekend. And it made it, pretty big mark in my world. It was a kind of a stake in the ground of understanding what that looks like for me to completely let down my guard and allow another person to show me their world. And it was so enjoyable. And he pointed out cars to me that I would have absolutely walked right by. And his idea about them, his understanding about them, his Sorry, there's a little bit of wind going this way, but I hope it's not too bad today. Um, there was an understanding about him and the way he viewed these cars that <laughs> endeared me to him even more. And I definitely love this man as a brother, as a best friend, as a person I trust. And it was like it, it made it a different level. And it just was such a treat to see him out in the world because he has been very limited for a long time now. To see him, uh, in my words, discovering my world. He hadn't been to a Cars and Coffee and he hadn't been in that kind of venue before. And so it was new for him. I just found it really um, a really joyful place. And I 
I'm noticing that what this has to do with what I'm talking about today, about thinking, what is thinking? If you'll notice how my thinking around this event, around this person, is gen generally positive. But that's because there was a moment in time where we met and he was just another man in my group. I had been in that group for a while and he came to the group and wanted to sit in the group and began doing that. And I know that I had judgments about him in that group. Um, even though the group is set up to start out with noticing your judgments about someone. That's partly how we bring in another man, is we start to notice what brings thinking, what what brings these judgments up. And we look at those because we start kind of in that place. Is how does this person show up to me? And how do I put that on that person? And then how can I do it differently without putting it on this other person, right? Without putting my crap on another person. I, I own my stuff, right? I own my judgments and my, my, my thinking. I own my thinking. And I look at that thinking and I take time to figure out what I'm going to do with that thinking. So when he came in the group, I know he was experiencing the same thing. There's all these men in the group. I think there were probably eight to ten of us at the time. And I'm only learning about one person, and he's sitting there trying to assimilate into nine or ten people's worlds. A, I judge a somewhat daunting process that can be somewhat intimidating, I think. And I find that healthy and good for all of us to be challenged in those ways. That's why I do these podcasts, because they challenge me. They challenge my thinking about things. And then I can, like I said, look at my thinking. What is thinking? Thinking is a process our mind does to uh, center ourselves in a world in a way we can understand. And I think the challenge to thinking, like I said, is to think about what we're thinking. Notice how it shows up in our bodies. How does it make us feel? How does it push us to respond? Sometimes we just react to our thinking and we just do. Sometimes we take time to think about our thinking and respond in different ways than just reacting. That's what this is about, right? Can we think about things in a different way that would help us grow, help us open to the idea that everyone is having the same basic experience and maybe have some compassion and understanding and maybe give each other a fucking break because we're all just trying to do the same thing. We're all just trying to figure this out some more than others, but we are all trying to figure out what the fuck is going on here and how do we, how do we make that work for us? How does that help us understand each other a little better? Like I said, give each other a break because life is really freaking hard sometimes. And I know that's a story that life is hard. I'm reminding myself right now that I'm making up a story that life is hard. Life is not hard. Life is what it is. And we wrap ourselves in stories of it's hard. And then those stories reinforce themselves until we believe life is hard. Life is not hard. Life just simply is. We come, we have experiences, we go. 
and how those experiences are moved through our life is what decides how our life will be. So today, I have a day off of work, my day job. I have a holiday today in honor of Cesar Chavez, his life and his work in the world. And I am taking that time right this moment to um, notice that that's why I have the day off. I will continue to look at my thinking. I will continue to bring my thinking about my thinking to myself. I have a call tonight with a person I would like to have a friendship with, a relationship with, and we have failed to connect in a way that worked for me. And I spent a couple of weeks in my thinking, suffering about I wasn't getting what I needed. So last night I cut my big boy brave pants on and I texted this person and I said, hey, uh, this is what I need. And I need a little bit more from you. And I hit the send button and thought, well, that's probably going to sink this boat. Um, that was my thinking. And an hour or so later, got a really nice text saying, can we talk tomorrow or the next day and clear this up? And what I get from that is, let's clear this up means let's clear this up. Let's figure it out. I don't know if that means this person wants to clear it up and that they don't want to have shit to do with me or they want to figure out how to make this work for both of us. I don't really know. So I'm leaving that thinking out of my day and going through my day with the idea that it's okay to not know and to find out later. I'll find out later. I'll find out when the time is right. And guessing at it on the way there is only going to make me suffer because it will get in the way of the rest of my day or some of my day. And I won't, I won't have the free space that would be there if I wasn't pondering and mulling over this situation that hasn't even happened yet. So I'm going to leave you today with that thought as a good example of how we, thinking about the future, about not taking care of ourselves, about not acknowledging our needs and not speaking for ourselves because we have a story. I had a story and I listened to my story and I kind of, I laughed at myself a little bit and went, wow, you've had this story going on for a while now and the easiest way to get the story taken care of is to deal with it and stop pondering something that doesn't exist and find out what actually does exist. So I'm going to do that today and um, see how that goes, see where that takes me. And then I'll deal with that. But until then, I'm going to choose to walk back to my home. And because I'm a motorhead, I'm a car guy, I'm going to watch the uh, Free Practice 1 from the Jetta Grand Prix, the Formula 1 Grand Prix. In, and I'm going to enjoy that because I do enjoy that. I enjoy... Formula One I have since I was pretty little. And so I'm going to do that. And then I don't know what I'm going to do after that. I'm going to eat some breakfast and the story continues. So take your time today to notice your thinking. And I would ask you to think to yourself, what is thinking and how does that show up for you? What is thinking? <laughs> because I only have my idea of it and I would be curious to know what yours is.
but that's for you to find for yourself. Notice how you judge, notice how you think, notice how you ponder the future and how that might be hurting you. Notice how you ponder the past and how that might be hurting you and holding you back. While I walk past this, what appears to be a herd of birds singing and a squirrel. So thank you for dropping in today and we'll see you next time. Hey, thanks for listening today. Hope you come back. Please uh, select the follow or subscribe button on your way out. And if you have a question or comment you'd like me to know about or answer in a future podcast, send that to bbotpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for dropping in, and we'll see you again soon. Be kind to yourself and be kind to others.